podcast is sponsored by BioSure Home HIV Self-Testing Kits. The BioSure HIV self-test is very simple to perform and requires just a tiny drop of blood. You can test wherever and whenever is convenient for you and you can get your easy to read result in 15 minutes. HIV is a treatable condition, so once you know your status, with correct and early treatment you can protect your own and your partner's health. You can test from four weeks after possible exposure, but if your test result is negative, you should use caution and test again after 12 weeks. This is because their test looks for antibodies to HIV and each person makes these at different times. The BioSure HIV self-test was the first approved CE-marked product and is the best-selling HIV self-test in the UK. When you want to be sure, be BioSure. For further information, visit their website at www.hivselftest.co.uk or call 0845 222 or follow them on Instagram at BioSureLTD. Hello and welcome to the La 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 Let Me Explain podcast and this week we are doing a fertility special. We're going to talk about all things fertility, infertility, miscarriage uh, and everything related and I've got two wonderful guests here today. So first of all I've got Georgia who is a clinical nurse specialist with a gynecological background. I struggle with that word you know, <laughs> gynecological. Um, so tell us a bit about your specialism. Um, so I've been qualified for a little while now, work in um, London. I look after women who've experienced miscarriage, stillborns, um, early pregnancy problems and everything relating from early um, kind of gynae life right up until when they're more elderly. So big big lifespan of stuff so all things vagina basically nice (laughs) and i've also got claire who is from the blog early menopause and me who uh has shared her story of going through an early menopause and uh fertility problems and trying to have a baby um and i know of her because she's been following me for ages so when i put the call out uh i knew that she was the perfect person to come on this podcast to to share her story so i think that's where we should start claire um if you're all right with that to tell uh, tell everybody a bit about what you've been through over the last few years okay so i was diagnosed well just over two years ago now um with early menopause how Um, old are you i'm 35 now um so at 33 i was diagnosed um so it's early menopause, also known as premature ovarian failure, which I hate, literally hate that one. Um, premature ovarian insufficiency. Um, uh, so basically, I went to the doctors. I was on the contraceptive pill for, well, most of my you know adult life. Um, had a break. My periods never came back. Um, I was sort of waiting, waiting for that and it never came. So I went to the doctors. I was really lucky that they acted quite quickly. They did the um, sort of regular blood tests that they would need to do um, to test for menopause. At this point, I had no idea. Um, I had no other symptoms. Um, Sorry, can I ask, were you having periods when you were on the pill? I was, but really light. Um, Now I look back at it, I think I had it a, a lot earlier like there's so many symptoms um low sex drive for one um 
I, I was having like relationships, well, not re- loads of relationships, but was in a relationship and was like, oh, do I not fancy you? You know, and I think back to that that point, and it probably wasn't that at all. It probably was the menopause kicking in. Um, so obviously, while I was on the pill, you're getting those artificial hormones that you need um, for your body to function. Um, you know, sort of. You probably know a bit more Georgia about the ins and outs of it, but you know, protecting your heart, um, bone density, all things like that. But as soon as I'd stopped taking that pill, obviously all that went away. Um, eventually, the hot flushes did start. Um, you know, and for a while I was sort of joking about it while I was like waiting for um, a proper diagnosis. I'd sort of have a little laugh about it. But then I was then referred to a fertility, no, gynecology specialist and went to see them and they just, ha- they have to redo the tests again within six weeks. So when they do these tests, they're testing for like your FS- FSH levels um, and your AMH and loads of other things. So your FSH is like um, the follicle stimulating hormone. There we go, that's <laughs> the one. Um, so if that's really high, then which mine was, I think they sort of consider over 20, 30 is, is considered really high. Mine was like a hundred and something. So, you know, that pretty much was a done deal for me. Um, again, still didn't really know too much about it. Didn't really think like it was going to be that extreme. Um, was told by the gynecologist, yeah, early menopause. Um, so that means you, you can't have children. If you want children, it's donor eggs. So obviously, not only did I have the grief of the diagnosis, but then also the grief and the loss of not being able to have um, my own biological child. So massive, massive blow, probably like the worst time ever um, for me so far. Mm. Um, So then, I mean, I'm I'm pretty proactive. I'm not going to sit around and wallow obviously I did a lot of that a lot of um crying a lot of Netflix (laughs) just you know in my bed you know getting through it but then I did start to research had a bit of counseling um was put in touch with a really good organization a charity called the Donor Conception Network and from then is when I really started investigating like what my options were so I decided to go down the donor conception route that would mean using donor eggs. Um, and I wasn't really with anyone that I wanted to have a child with. So I went for double donation, um, donor egg, donor sperm. Um, again, a really long process, um, very emotional process, so many different things you need to think about. Um, and then went ahead at the end of January, um, chose my donors, They the clinic did their their bit <laughs> do you get to see pictures of them or anything like no that? and that is literally everyone asks that question mm. um what you do get um which is really really nice is you get um what they call a pen letter so the donor both donors they will um write a little bit about themselves about their personality the reason that they're donating um they also then put a message to the child um or, you know potential child um which is really special so they are in the UK you can have known donors so at the age of 18 the child will have the right to find out about their donors and you know sort of biologically who I don't want to say parents because they're not their parents um 
but if you were to go abroad which also was um, an option for me I did go and visit a clinic in Spain um, you know you've got to shop around mm. um, I was told it would be cheaper um, all this was private by the way there's no funding I don't get qualified for any funding on the NHS for this so I was lucky enough to be in a position where you know I could pay pay to do this um, bank of mum and dad <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah went to Spain decided to go with the UK option purely because they're known donors whereas abroad I think some of the laws are changing now in some countries but they are completely unknown um, and I didn't really want to I felt like I was being selfish mm. you know it shouldn't be my right to decide well you know it's tough you can't find out where you've come from um, if they you know my future child if they want to know um, you know they've got they that letter there that mm. might be enough for them you don't know yeah. um or they want might want to know a bit more um i went through with treatment at the end of january um was really lucky in a sense that i did fall pregnant um i got to i went for my first scan it's literally you're here any woman that are trying to conceive or have an ivf they'll talk about the two-week wait is literally the longest wait of your life um you know you you all you want to do is do that pregnancy test and you just so can't the, do the it the two-week wait is if we're talking about ivf it's from the moment that the fertilized embryo is planted Implanted. inside your mm. womb and yeah. you're just waiting to see if it attaches exactly exactly yeah. so you're waiting for the like the beta hcg to increase on the blood basically mm -hmm. and then that's like how it would show on a urine pregnancy test right mm -hmm. yeah so i was lucky <coughs> i had that pregnancy test um did about three or four i think <laughs> just to be sure um i was lucky i got that positive test um a week later, so you then have to wake another week, um, went up to the clinic, had my first scan. Um, sadly, I so I should have measured um, seven weeks, five days, but unfortunately it was only measuring to six weeks, two days, and just a very, very faint heartbeat. So they consider that um, um, it's going to end up most likely as a mis miscarriage. Um, so then had to wait another week <laughs> there's a lot of waiting um to then sort of decide what i wanted to do and how i wanted to go about it and obviously they want they want to be sure so i went back had another scan um and it was you know they kind of just confirmed what i already knew so then you sort of have three options really when it comes to a miscarriage um you can sort of let sort of nature take its course um have you know what do they call it georgia with the Straight medical state. or medical like, management yeah yeah yes. so you can have a uh, an injection or um misoprostol which is like a it's a drug that helps mm. like expel whatever's in the in the womb yeah. yeah yeah um or you can obviously have a full like operation as such yeah, yeah. determination so i went with um just the the tablets to sort of help things along um again like such an emotional time and a really confusing time so i think anyone going through any type of embryo donation or any just any fertility treatment the the journey is so long anyway and when you finally get to the point you think you know this is it now you're coming to the end and it's, it's going to work um and for it not to mm. you you're angry anyway yeah. you're angry because you've you're having to go through it all you're hurt you, you know you're feeling every emotion um 
and the cost as well like I know this sounds really awful but it was about 10 grand that doesn't sound and, awful at no, all. It's and fucking relevant yeah relevant. and I think you know that hurts as well not that that's how I you don't have to be ashamed of feeling that way mm. because it's just it's a, it's a, it's an added factor of how incredibly mm. unfair and shit it is that not only have you not been able to naturally conceive you've had to pay for the chance to be able to do so and it's not a selfish you know you should to, to say oh i'll just write off that 10 grand you know that's mm. the least of my worries no it's not it's a mm. huge amount of money and it it's incredibly harsh for you to feel like well i can't afford to necessarily or for somebody to feel like actually m my fertility is controlled by my finances mm. if you have the right to feel angry about that and mm. to feel upset about the the loss of the, of that money that's not the biggest grief factor that, that you're experiencing but don't feel ashamed yeah. about that uh, yeah i mean so like after that like there's no more money now do you know what i mean i've got um i got two embryos two good embryos out of um the my donor's cycle um so there's one more left in the freezer um i'm in no way ready to go through all that again um i'm in a much better place uh i think you know daily you sort of you get reminded every day i think about it um not just the grief of the miscarriage but just the whole my diagnosis what i have to contend with you know i have really really good days some days i will feel a bit shit um and it's just at the moment i'm at the stage of just sort of managing that and being mm. aware of certain triggers uh i've got a friend absolutely love her to death um she's 40 yeah she's just turned 40 and she's pregnant um now with through ivf her and her partner so we were actually doing it at the same having treatment at the same time she was a week um a week behind me uh, so we were really excited to you know we sort of comparing notes and things like that although although our treatments are slightly different um you know the emo a lot of the emotion is is the same so it was nice that we could support each other um she is still pregnant so she would literally be I would, have been, I would have been a week ahead of her and it was her 40th birthday recently and she invited me to a big lunch and I couldn't go. I felt awful, mm. um, but she's she's a good friend. She understands and I called her and I said, I'm so sorry, like I've been putting off telling you that I can't come, um, but I just don't think she's got, you know, she had a bump and everything. Yeah. And um, before uh, having a miscarriage, seeing people, I think we can, you know, can touch on it later, seeing people with kids um being asked um about kids or hearing people's pregnancy announcements never bothered me uh you don't know people's story you don't know what they had to do to get to that point like my friend as i said you know she's pregnant now but it's been a, a lot of money a lot of emotion um a lot of tears <laughs> and you know thankfully she's she's got what she what she wants so you know you don't know everyone's situations but but then after the miscarriage i definitely struggle with it now um but there's things i can do i know you know i'm allowed to feel sad for myself absolutely and that's what i've sort of come into terms mm. with yeah and that's a, <clears throat> such a different that made me want to cry actually a bit when you spoke about having to cope with the fact that you're seeing this pregnancy and those milestones and thinking about oh, this would have been my due date this would have been the day that i went to have my five month scan or whatever um and ha having to deal with that without causing yourself i guess 
extra loss by having to cut off friends who are really dear friends to you mm. but that you then can't cope with that situation and it's fair that you you know it's I, it's so understandable it's such a hard thing to go through mm. um you know and i think people expect you to be strong don't they and they expect you to just be stoic about it but like you say it is grief it is bereavement it is yeah. it's all of these things and yeah. you shouldn't have to fight it i suppose mm. I think one thing, like talking about being strong though, like one thing this whole process has taught me is I, I am bloody strong and I'm resilient. And, you know, people say, oh, I'm not defined by my diagnosis, not defined by my condition, but I feel like it really has sort of a defining moment in my life, mm. obviously, mm. that has made me into who I am now. You know, I know it's only been two years, but a lot of, work into myself has had to happen um you know relationships things like that you know i am not even bothered about a relationship right mm. now and sort of knowing that i'm fully prepared to do this alone um it, you know your priorities change and everything mm. you look at things sit different situations um i've got friends that love them to death but maybe haven't been the best support mm. um they've not been there when i've wanted them so you know we not cut them out but you know you can just go over there in that it's little taught, box yeah, over there it's and it's taught me people around you exactly and, yeah. exactly so yeah i think you build up a real resilience mm. and you sort of realize how strong you are and i just remind myself of that every day yeah and and you the fact that you've actually decided to share your story about it the fact that you started the instagram and the blog and all of that mm. stuff you know you can be so proud that mm. you have used your grief and your pain and, and all the shit that's been thrown at you to make other people feel better and to help other people and yeah. even though that's probably not a comfort because baby help other people you know which one you're going to choose but yeah. there has been some positive out of that mm. so i want to talk if we can just for a minute about early menopause do you know how common that is 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 that it's quite rare it's quite rare yeah did yeah. you because people always say to, to be able to tell when you're going to go through the menopause you should ask your mum when she went through because it's highly likely that you'll go through the menopause around the same time as your mum was your mum see this is a tricky one um my mum was 42 so again young yeah um my nan was 38 i was 33 now, I remember my mum going through the menopause, mm. but I didn't twig that it was early. Mm. And... Oh, too young, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But I don't... I've never... I don't know if my mum's going to listen to this podcast or not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't resent her at all, but she didn't tell me. Mm. Um, she didn't sort of warn me at any point. Now, I think... I'm almost glad she didn't. Uh, I think you know as we all do as women um we do start to worry all oh, clocks ticking and all things like this i think if i had known it would have been far worse for me mm. um, because i did used to worry about those things and it was more about am i going to find the per like my partner that i am gonna you know that's going to father my children and i think i would have put so much more pressure on myself if i had known mm. um obviously we're all having kids a lot later now i mean my mum had been when she went through menopause she'd been married twice and had three kids you know same with my nan mm. um so it is it can be genetic i think it's sort of one in a hundred right. um sort of below 40 mm. 
Um, yeah, the yeah. national age is like 51, 52 on average. The average yeah. age for menopause. Yeah, mm. 51. And what are the symptoms of menopause? Because we're all, that's where it's going to happen to everybody at some point. I think younger women are a bit sort of in denial about the reality. It's only because I watched my mum go through it and then I, I ended up working when I was at work last year. Three of the women in my office were in, going through the menopause at the mm. same time it was fucking hell <laughs> mate my mum was the mental. depths of winter they wanted all the windows <laughs> open it was just like yeah they do they were just off the yeah. fucking scale so i i can picture my mum at the top of the stairs having a blazing row with her and she was being so unreasonable i can't remember what it was about but i remember looking at her and thinking are you all right like, <laughs> you are insane you yeah. are not my mum where's my mum and it was only after and then she did she started taking hrt and she just instantly changed mm. and um hrt is hormone replacement therapy yeah, isn't it yeah so yeah i think we need to be a bit kinder to the older women yeah, in our 100%. lives there's a yeah. lot of shit to deal yeah. with um okay so we we have a list of questions from followers that have been sent in um so yeah, I'm going to get started with those. Um, I really thank you for sharing your story. You know, it really hit me. We spoke a bit before, but um, I, I, th I think it's so powerful and you can learn so much from it. Mm. But, and, and, you know, actually one of the questions is, is about this, but it's like I feel really sad about it. Like I feel sad about your experiences and your loss but you're actually dealing with it yeah. so well that I don't I don't know if you want people to feel sad for you or it's a weird one my I remember my best friend saying to me after the miscarriage she would just looked at me and she's so matter of fact I love her and she just looked at me and said I'm not gonna say sorry and um, I'm not gonna feel sad obviously well I don't know if she said feel sad but she was like, I'm not going to, that's not what you need. And that's what I would, you know, I wouldn't want that. But what you need to know is I'm here and I'm always going to be here. And, you know, that was enough for me, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. All right. So, yeah, let's get on to the questions. Um, obviously, as I always say at the start <clears throat> of the podcast, although we do have a medical pr practitioner mm -hmm. here, this is not the same as going and visiting your own GP or going mm. to see a gynecologist these questions are not going to be your direct answer we are just giving general advice and information we would urge you to go and seek professional support there's loads of uh, uh, places where you can get information we'll, we'll give you some of those details at the end of the podcast um, so this is just our personal advice even Georgia who's here as a medical practitioner she's not trying to be in practice at the moment uh, you can't sue her or any of us <laughs> because we're just coming yeah. from our own perspectives not claiming to be experts not claiming to be able to diagnose you or help you in this area so the first question it was this same person actually sent like five separate questions and i could sense from the questions that she's this is something she's been through and she's had a shitty time of it um sounds like she's had an early miscarriage so her questions were why are the nhs so unprepared for early miscarriage why is there no space in the early pregnancy unit or labor ward for women miscarrying why are early miscarriages palmed off when they have the same mental effect as a later miscarriage so I got the sense from her that she was quite. She'd had a really yeah. horrible time of it. Yeah, sounds like it. So what? What? How would you answer that question, Georgia? Um, so I would say, in terms of like my experience, it's it's difficult because I think people, nurses 
included especially in A&E not necessarily early pregnancy units but in A&E they don't always know kind of what to say they might feel like what they're saying is completely the wrong thing um and because of time and because of like lack of money and all of those stuff it means they can't go to the training that might have been put on by the gynecology unit or by the gynecology and women's health like team or yeah so I think it's quite difficult um in terms of like the area where they are that's never going to be I don't think it's right and I think it's really really hard I for people to would you want to be on a labour ward if no, you're having a miscarriage well, I, I feel like that would be the worst yeah. place to be so in lots of in lots of hospitals they go to the early pregnancy and acute gynae unit some like London teaching hospitals often have them um, and then on the wards they'll go to a gynaecology ward um, and we do our like, utmost to put them in a, in a single room yeah. I mean quite often when you have a miscarriage there's n- that's not even that's not even the process no. you go to A&E you say I'm bleeding profusely yeah and they ask you have you had a, you know your scan or whatever and if you're quite early on you might not have had your 12 yeah. week yet and if it's before that stage you can't go to the EPU can you yeah you can oh you can at what, you what can. stage so can you go to the if you think EPU you're pregnant early pregnancy unit. Yeah, yeah if you think you're pregnant you can go to an early pregnancy unit right so if you have any symptoms um even if you had acute abdominal pain you thought it was gynecology related you could go to an early pregnancy right. unit so in some hospitals they'll be named early pregnancy and acute gynae unit rather than just an early pregnancy unit can you go there turn up like it's an like an is it yeah. a triage so it's 24 trainer. hour uh, it's not always 24 hour right um some are and some aren't it's it's definitely like a regional area thing yeah um yeah but quite often in my experience mm. you present with bleeding they yeah. tell you yes we think you're having a miscarriage go yeah. home with some paracetamol and just rest up and mm. either take the tablets to expel yeah have the termination or just bleed out yeah allow yourself to to miscarry yeah. at home but it but it does tend to be quite a f- flippant but mm. you know in those early pre- I, th- I don't want to say anything that is disrespectful to, no. the, to the nhs mm. or to nhs staff because i think this question is really valid and it's really relevant that actually there isn't necessarily that space and time to take no. care of you and to make you feel looked after and yeah. make you feel like you are a woman who's losing a baby yeah. which is a huge deal but the nhs are unprepared because they are under resourced mm. yeah we are in such shit times at yeah, the moment absolutely and on quite honestly anybody who wants things to be better for the nhs you have to do your bit by voting yeah you have to vote for a labor government yeah. there was no other option because no. well i mean lib, lib dems i think are pretty good with the nhs yeah the tories will, uh, have destroyed the nhs yeah the tories are starving the nhs of money so that they can privatize it and sell yeah. it off bits to their mates to make money from it and this is why the nhs is so shit so don't blame the nhs blame the government yeah um, i do think in the same breath though as well um nurses can always take five extra minutes yeah like and they should do better and they should and i do think that you have to be a certain i think you have to be a certain person one to be a nurse and two to actually like be able to cope with that kind of thing because yeah. you don't yeah as i said before you don't always know how to react and how to, and you don't know how people are going to react to what you're saying some people are actually like we've spoken about this before and i've heard you say this before being relieved about like different stuff going on you know yeah um and and i don't always think and then other people are completely devastated yeah. so it, it is very like case by case yeah and that's yeah. the thing i guess if yeah. you're a nurse working in an a and e and you've just had a child come through who's lost an arm or something yeah. and then you've got a woman sitting there who's having a bleed in a six-week pregnancy yeah. you're probably thinking 
go and sort yourself out. I've got a t- child in deep trauma. You know what I mean? So yeah. that doesn't make it okay. No, of course. For that woman no, who's going course. through it's that. It's all relative, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, do you feel that early miscarriage... I mean, it's a sort of societal thing, isn't it? Mm. Do you feel that generally people do take early miscarriages less seriously than they do when it's later, when it's, you know, much further on in the, in the pregnancy? Yeah, I do. Mm. Um, I think... I don't know. I don't think, as I said before, the case by case thing. I think some people really like from the minute they're pregnant, it was like hopes, it was dreams, it was like the, the parent they were going to be, the holidays they were going to have, the like mm. it was every, all the Christmases, like it was everything. The minute yeah. they found out, and for other people, they don't know until they're maybe fifteen weeks. Some people yeah. don't know until they're mm. like into their second trimester, and that's really hard. Like that's hard as yeah. well. So, um, yeah, I think there's. Yeah. I think stuff. Yeah, like we said, this the person who sent this in is definitely hurting and something's you know has happened um and it sounds like she's not had a very nice experience but i think for me as well i'm like i'd had an appointment yesterday and i had to go to the fertility unit and i'm surrounded by couples i was asked twice um where where's your partner mm. no but where's your partner your partner needs to be here yeah and because i'm not nhs funded but i am seeing a specialist there um i could I could easily answer that question like I'm in a much better place than I was two years ago. So I could say, I'm, there is no partner, like it's cool, and not burst into tears. Mm. Whereas when I went there two years ago, it was all very raw. I was very emotional, completely like losing my mind with grief. And I lost my shit. They kept saying, no, but where's your partner? You can't be seen without your partner. And I lost it. Yeah, so mm. you do feel... You know, but when I went back there yesterday, I thought, God, two years ago when I was here, you know, they are, they're doing their best. Um, you know, there's someone before, you know, there's, there's someone's got an appointment straight after you. Mm. So it's, you know, you've got to think about that person as well. And like yeah. what we said, they are, the <clears throat> NHS is so stretched and I feel like I just want to punch the pharmacist every time I go and pick up my prescription because I have to pay for it. Yeah. And it's something I didn't choose to take these tablets mm. Every, every day for till I'm like 50 mm. um, I also have to pay double for my tablets because there's two type of tablets <sighs> so it's like £9 isn't it for a prescription yeah, now I have like to pay 20 eight. quid basically exactly um, you know it does some. if I'm having a bad day that really gets to me yeah but it's, it's society at the moment unfortunately it is and it's interesting but I mean when I went into labour um, my my son's dad he abandoned me during pregnancy and I had the same thing every time I went to see a different midwife every time a midwife changed on shift during my labour somebody where's daddy where's daddy and I was so upset and humiliated about it sometimes I lied at the right at the beginning when they'd asked not lied but it was just a bit like oh you know he might be at the next appointment knowing he wouldn't be but there is this thing where people are just so callous about yeah making assumptions yeah. and not realizing how those assumptions are going to impact yeah. on you and how shit they're going to make yeah. you feel um so yeah i think that on the one hand nursing staff are humans they are stretched they've got these government things going yeah. on but ultimately they're dealing with people and yeah and they need to be sensitive yeah. and think about what they're saying and yeah, an early miscarriage absolutely. for one person might be a blessing yeah. or it might not be that big a deal but an early miscarriage for yeah. someone who's had 10 miscarriages already or has been going through IVF or yeah. any of these things is going to be yeah. 
I found traumatic. as soon as I said it was through fertility, when I had the follow-up scan, it was through fertility treatment, like the nurse's face just changed and was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Mm. Because it was almost like she, when you're going through any fertility treatment, like you be, you're, you become a parent bef- but way yeah. before yeah. because it's you want that baby so much. So it's not like you fall pregnant and then you become that parent. You're already you know you've had to make this decision yeah so it was almost like her attitude towards me did change but again it's not something she probably deals with every day yeah Yeah. so you know it's interesting because you're it's worth people knowing that um in terms of employment laws and Mm. and things like that once you start the ivf process you're classed as pregnant Mm. I think once, I don't know at which point, once they've taken, once the embryo, I don't even think it's got to have been implanted necessarily. Once they start that process, you are officially classed as pregnant. Um, Not medically, obviously, but uh, because obviously if you're um, biologically pregnant, you go to your employer there's different rules and stuff around sick. Um, Mm. You know, pregnancy sick is not counted towards sick so they can't like get you on sickness yeah. tribunals or, or whatever sickness monitoring and all that mm. so it's worth people knowing that they are covered legally from the point that they yeah. start IVF uh, at work because it they need to allow for appointments yeah. and, and it's the same with pregnancy is that you know they have to allow you off to go to scans and stuff mm. so it's the same with um, IVF appointments mm. fertility appointments so I think what we should really say to this woman I mean just as a kind of final thing is that um I mean, she needs to go and seek help and support. She needs somebody to help her get over the grief and the bereavement yeah. and the loss of her baby and also the fact that she was treated yeah. pretty badly as a result. Um, she could probably make a complaint if she felt like it was... She, yeah. And, and, she and then have a debrief about it because that will probably really help like, yeah. how she feels. Yeah, yeah. And, and she should. Um, and I think the other thing to, to note is that black and ethnic minority women often have very different experiences in the NHS um, and the way that they're treated because of this whole narrative of the strong black woman very often they undermine black women's pain yeah they don't listen to them as much yeah. as they listen to white women they're far less likely to offer certain tests and they're um, more likely to die in childbirth they are yeah. m- m- I think is it's it five petition. times more likely yeah, to die I can't yeah. remember the, there's a massive petition yeah mm. to die in childbirth again because of cultural narratives and the way that uh, I mean obviously institutional race racism not being taken seriously not being treated well enough um and and there's lots of ways actually in 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 which um, being black and ethnic minority undermines your chances around um being offered ivf and things like that or or, you know it's it's fucked matt it's absolutely disgraceful but again i i'm not sure whether this woman was white or where she was from but it is worth having a look at the different experiences that 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 women have and, and maybe having a look mm. at where some of those things came from and really making a complaint mm. if you think yeah. actually I have been treated differently as a result of my ethnicity or the fact that I'm not born in Britain yeah. or, you know that can apply mm. to people who regardless of their ethnicity I think foreign women in general yeah. women who've come from from overseas are being treated differently and that's mm. absolutely disgusting um so the next question says when is the best time to bring up that you have a fertility issue with a partner you don't have to straight away just when you're ready i yeah just when you're ready you'll know if that if you want to tell that person you know if you're in a relationship obviously 
hopefully they'll be on that journey with you and will support you like we mentioned earlier you do begin to see people's true colors and so if they don't then they're not the person for you anyway yeah. uh if you're i wasn't really in a relationship as such um but the person i was with did we were dating a long time he did know he was there through the first part of the journey wasn't that supportive didn't really get it but I kind of knew that that was the case and that was the sort of person he was. He just didn't have the mental capacity to even, you know, comprehend any of it. Um, I've had dates where I've not said anything because you can kind of tell that first date, you know, I don't, I'm not going to tell you. Like, it's not, they, it's not their right to know. Um, so I think you, you will know if you want to tell it's your it's your truth to tell yeah. basically and you will know when you want to tell that person um you know there's guys i've dated i've not said a word and you know where are they now yeah you know <laughs> so it's it's not a big deal mm. so i think the answer to that is just go with your gut and you know tell that person when you're ready if if you feel like you need to yeah yeah i'd say the same i think it entirely depends on the kind of situation and part that you're kind of either looking for or you know yeah what the kind of person that they are i think it's really really individual yeah. i mean i yeah yeah i mean i've got i've got guy friends that i mean for, as women we obviously know a lot more about you know we talk about egg freezing um donor eggs like we ivf we're all a, a little bit more aware of it um but whereas guys are like what mm. um what do you mean like yeah i think for guys they just need to be they're not going to be as educated yeah. on it as we are. Um, so, you know, I've got guy mates that are just like, can't even get their head around it. Um, and they're just like, well, why don't you just get some sperm from like McDonald's. me? Yeah. And I'm just like, no yeah. thanks. So <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's mad though, because there are equal um, amounts of men who can't conceive naturally as there are women. But it doesn't, it's never made to feel like a male issue, is it? It's made no. to feel like this is a, a women's issue, you know. Yeah. You don't have podcasts with men sitting around going, how would you speak to women yeah. about fertility? Yeah. And they should be. Yeah. They Let's should talk be. about your low sperm count. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even often when it is the man, you know, it becomes the couple are unable yeah. to have a baby. Whereas when it's the woman, it's all on the women. Yeah. Um. So so I think that's really interesting. I mean, I, I, think, I think you're right thinking about me i mean i don't really want to have any more children if i was to get into a relationship with a man now i wouldn't care whether he was fertile i'd actually be better if he wasn't <laughs> um <laughs> Ooh, i can come off the pill yay um but um yeah i i i guess if you were 25 30 and you knew that you definitely wanted to have a family would you want somebody to get all that way down the line yeah. And then say, actually, I'm not going to be able to do that naturally. I don't know. I think it is definitely something to think about because I totally yeah. agree with you. That is your truth to tell. And you don't need to tell mm. everybody who you date and you certainly shouldn't. No. And you should probably reserve that information for people where you think, actually, this is going to get serious. Mm. But then I wonder how that would then feel to somebody if you've got serious with them. And then you say, yeah, actually, this might not be something that's going to be able to happen mm. in our future. 
I think the more you get to know a person, though, you know, in those, even in those first few months, if it was like a new relationship mm. and you're at the talking stages and you're dating and things are going well, I think you're going to know if that is someone that you want to be with, you know, yeah. you need to tell them yeah. sooner rather than later. Explain the options, you know, explain how that's going to look if if they were to have a family, what that would look like mm. and then what the process they would need to take. Um they're either going to be a good person um, and understand that and be open and support you, um, whether that then transpires into a long-term relationship and you do start going down that route or it just fizzles out and, you know, whatever. Or they could even just not even be able to comprehend any of it in their tiny little brains yeah. um, and then fuck them. Yeah. So. <laughs> and having fertility issues doesn't mean you're never going to be able to have a family. It doesn't mean you're never going to be able to give that person what their dream future yeah. is. It just means you're going to have to go about it in a slightly, a slightly different, different way. way. Yeah. Mm. And like you say, if they're committed to you and if they love you and can see a future with you, they're going to stick around whether that means children or not, um, or biological children of their own or not. And actually, quite likely, if, if it's a female with a fertility issue, and a male who hasn't got one, he probably will end up with a child that could be biologically his because he can donate his sperm to yeah, a donor yeah. egg or whatever. Yeah. So actually, it's really important to be able to, I guess when you should bring up the time that you have a fertility issue with a partner is when you're really clear about how to explain that in a yeah. way that enables them to know that mm. doesn't mean we're never going to be able to have kids. And like you say, being able to coherently allow them to understand what the options are going to mm. be. Mm. Um, so so we kind of touched on this a little bit the next question says how do you cope with people constantly asking when you are going to have children mm. again I don't think this happens to men I don't think people go no, around to no. men go oh you know you're nearly 40 where's <laughs> yeah. the kids people no. don't do it no, they, they, do they think it bachelors women. like doing what they want no. yeah. I think maybe yeah. the only time it would happen is if they're like just newly married Yeah, yeah. Um, I know I'm. my brother got married um, about three four years ago yeah <laughs> tim the sound engineer just came through and said they do okay well we yeah. were wrong on that one i think i made a conscious effort not to ask my brother and his wife um oh you know kids next like i wanted wanted them to enjoy their marriage and to you know enjoy each other mm. for as long as possible you know they're, they're he's younger than me so you know they've got they've got time so um They've now got a little one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think in that instance, they probably got get asked a little bit more. Um, but there's just not the pressure, is there? There's no biological clock mm. clicking, ticking for them. Yeah. yeah. I think people can be so insensitive about, like, that. It's just, it's just not horrible. your fucking business. No. Like, and no. I think I've probably done it to people as well. Yeah. Without even realising. No, I mean, like yeah. a colleague at yeah. work just got married. Yeah. Oh, when are you going to have kids? You know? I'm yeah. so conscious of it now yeah. because of, I'm yeah. in that position. I, For me, it all depends. It will all depend on my mood on the day, really. Mm. Um, people might say, oh, you've got kids. Um, I am like to think I'm pretty good with kids. Mm. Um, I will can talk to children play with kids you know like so i used to work um in a shop so a lot of people would come in their kids or whatever and i'd like you know have a play or whatever oh if you've got kids you're really good with kids and you know sometimes that would literally like just get me like a knife in the heart um you know i'll just sort of politely say oh no one day hmm. and really it should just be left there yeah i've not really had an experience where they've then gone on to say oh well clock's ticking oh mm. you need a 
need a fella for that then better try and meet someone um, and it's family that would do that kind of thing yeah. more especially yeah. if you've got big extended family then christmas comes and you've got aunties and uncles yeah. coming over and everyone's talking um, about the little spinster in the corner who has yeah. you know yeah. hasn't had any kids yet it's a real it's something that all of us need to be really conscious of 100%. just don't ask anyone when they're gonna have yeah. kids don't ask anyone if they're pregnant. Don't any, ask anyone if they're about to get pregnant, no. if they want to get pregnant. It's not your business if they're having unprotected sex. No. Mm. They'll tell you That's essentially what you're asking. Yeah. Them. Are you fertile? Are you having unprotected Are sex? Are you trying? Where, or if not, yeah. why not? When's it going to happen? Yeah. yeah. Well, how well, rude. For you as well, like you've got your son and to be then to be asked, oh, you're going to have any more? Well, you know, again, you don't know well, people's like, situation. Yeah, exactly. No. I, I used to find that actually when he was quite young, you know, people would always again say that something would be in a shop and somebody would say, where's daddy you're going to take that home to daddy and you'd be in this situation where you thought well actually no daddy doesn't live with us he hasn't even met his dad but do, do i need to explain this to you in fucking john lewis like um <laughs> yeah and the same thing to me as well when you're gonna have an next one you better hurry up so there's not a big age gap between them and he's well i'm not with his dad anymore no, no yeah. one wants to have sex with me at the moment so what am <gasps> i supposed to what am i supposed to do about this don't make me panic about this gay age gap between our children because yeah. you believe all women should have children yeah. and we should all do it at a certain age. And even it? if there was an age gap, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, crack on. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, they need a sibling, otherwise they'll be an only child and yeah. they'll be horrible and, and be selfish. Spoiled. Oh, fuck off, you old <laughs> bat. Um, yeah, so I just think we all have to get better. But, yeah. but, but I guess coping with people constantly asking... I mean that's just a constant yeah. reminder, isn't it, for you? So I've, I've had it with blokes. Like, you know, they're sort of trying to chat you up and to, to gauge whether you're single or not mm. and then they sort of get on to oh you've got kids and they're just like no oh well you know you better you know you're gonna meet better meet someone i.e hey let's go out on a date <laughs> yeah and i'm literally i will just say like no i don't need a man mm. if I, I can have a kid and that's exactly what i'm doing obviously i'm not going to tell them that but yeah. no i don't no i don't need a man actually i was speaking to some uh to a guy a, a little while ago and and he was saying something about how he he finds it really strange he made some comment he was like you know if you meet a woman and she's in her late 30s and she hasn't had kids that's a big red flag you gotta think why has nobody wanted to impregnate her why has nobody wanted to breed with her all these years oh, wow and i was like have you maybe thought that first of all she might not want to second of all she might not be able to like being a, a woman with Without a child is not a disease it's not no. a reflection that you're a psychopath but yet there is this and this is why we've got to break down all of these disgusting societal norms because they put women in a box a woman ha is a mother she is a grandmother she is the nurturer she is the healer she is a wife and if she isn't any of those oh what is she yeah. she's trying to be a man like what's going on yeah. what's wrong with this mm. woman we've got to change that narrative because it's fucking yeah. nonsense yeah built on shit that that started like thousands of years yeah. ago it's just not reality anymore no, no. um i think this almost i was listening to some statistics i was doing a bit of research before we started this podcast and i think this because obviously we're in different times now back in the day before the 70s majority of women over the age of 45 had children and now the statistics are very equal mm. it's mm. about 45 percent versus 55 percent there are far more women who are either choosing not to be mothers yeah. or are not becoming mothers yeah. because of circumstance and, and and whatever else and actually 
some people refer to it as the otherhood, motherhood and the otherhood. Mm. And the otherhood is aunties and, you know, women yeah. who are just having a fucking great time yeah. without children or mm. some women who are going through the grief of yeah. not being able yeah. to have children. That's so talking about the auntie thing, like that is what one thing I really struggle with. Like I am an auntie now and it's <coughs> amazing. But before I was I don't want to be the cool auntie mm. I want to be yeah I'm already I'm going to be a cool auntie we know that but I want to be a mum um so it, it is it is really it's hard but again like you just don't know people's stories yeah. so basically don't ask yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so the next question says what does polycystic ovary syndrome mean for fertility so polycystic ovary syndrome so there's two sides to it basically so you can have polycystic ovaries without actually being diagnosed with polycystic ovary syndrome so it's two separate things um obviously having the syndrome means you have the polycystic ovaries but you can just have polycystic ovaries without the, the endocrine system being affected so when you have um polycystic ovaries not actually that they're cysts on the ovaries it's completely like they're, they're trying to actually change the name because it's not really fitting with actually what happens so it means that your follicles are enlarged on your ovaries it doesn't create like water that needs to be removed or a cyst that needs to be taken away it's just that they are unable then to necessarily ovulate in the right way sometimes sometimes not always if you have uh, polycystic ovary syndrome it affects you in other ways so you'll have symptoms like um you will your weight will massively drop up and down you might have um irregular bleeding you might um have periods that like resemble periods but it might be like really short cycles and then really long or that kind of that kind of bleed you might have more body hair because of the testosterone you might have acne or oily skin um, and you might become so sometimes people don't know that they've got it because they've been on um hormones for maybe 10 years and then they try and get pregnant they come off of it and then they're like oh my goodness like i can't I can't have babies. I can, you know, I really find this really difficult. So that's sometimes when people get diagnosed. Um, yeah. So there's different ways of. Um, can can people become pregnant naturally then? Because I know loads of people who've got PCOS and have had yeah uh, have conceived naturally yeah uh, and others who have struggled yeah. actually. So it might be it might be that one you can have one ovary that's polycystic and the other one's not. Right. It might be that you have polycystic ovaries but you don't have the syndrome. So they say if you've got two of the other symptoms I said and this like on a scan they can see that they've got the mm. more follicles on the ovaries. That would be something that would diagnose you with the PCOS. But if you don't have those two things together, you might just have the ovaries alone right. rather than the actual syndrome. So if sense. you're not having regular periods, then <coughs> you might not be able to tell when you're ovulating, which yeah. would then make it harder make to it be harder. able to conceive. Yeah, exactly. So there's different there is different like ways around it. So one of the things that people say to you is like try your utmost to like this is what GPs and doctors will say, try your utmost to lose weight, be like the healthiest person you can be, don't smoke, try not to drink. Um there's other things so there's uh, th if you are going through it and you think that you've got these symptoms like maybe you've, since being 15 you've you've been really hairy and you're like why am i hairy mm. you know like excess hair around your face um legs all on your bum more than you know like more chest. than necessarily I've got a couple of friends with pizza, yeah so they've sometimes got sort of little hairs on their chest yeah as well. all like around you know around here yeah around the neck um and, and that's the testosterone and the, the yeah. hormones causing that um so you can ask for blood so they can look at things like your FSH, your LH, um, see what your testosterone levels are. You can have a scan so they can look at your 
look at your ovaries um it might be that you need to be put on metformin because of as i said before in endocrine system that relates to your pancreas um and the way that your body like digests insulin so when you have PCOS, it can be a bit more difficult. So if you have metformin, which is a form of insulin, it, it helps with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you are trying to conceive and you don't want to go on to hormone therapy in terms of like contraception to diminish your symptoms of the PCOS and you want to try for a baby, you can go on something called Clomid, which tries to really like, I'm sure you probably mm, know about yeah. that. Um, it like it stimulates your ovaries basically to try and try and get you pregnant yeah right or try and like work your ovaries harder if if you get diagnosed with pcos you you probably are going to be aware that it might be more challenging to conceive but there is still a good chance yeah yeah and there's different tests so you can have um something where they test your fallopian tubes to see how they're getting on and if there's any leaks or any um any blockages um yeah there's there's lots of different things that can be done it's not it's mm. not just like you definitely will be you know have trouble and you definitely will find it easy because it's it's, a, it's very different yeah it's very different things um yeah. then the next question says i've had three miscarriages in 12 months how can i mentally deal with getting pregnant again time yeah take just take your time it's First of all, I'm so sorry yeah. um, for for your loss. Um, I, I mean, I've just had the one early on, and it, you know, it's 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 heartbreaking. Um, I think you've just got to take time, and when you're ready, as I said, I've got one embryo left in the freezer, and there's just no way. I mean, in my head, as soon as I had the, I was like, started calculating next when I can when I can use it again, and I'm just nowhere near nowhere near that stage is that because you couldn't face having another miscarriage yeah i I can't face i just can't go through that just yet um for people who don't understand much like me so the one embryo in the freezer that means is that one that's got hasn't got a sperm in it yet it's an or it's an egg with a sperm in it it just has it's just sitting there frozen waiting for them to put it in you yeah yeah so you have um you how have long your, can that stay in the freezer i don't know i mean I don't know, it's years yeah it is a long it's about time 10 years, I think. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I, I mean I, I don't quote me but i think yeah. it's around 10 it years is, yeah, yeah yeah it's around that time um so i've you have to pay to leave it in there obviously oh, right yeah. is that like a monthly yearly thankfully so right. i will need to sort of make a decision come january if i want to use it or i'll pay i think it's like 300 quid to sort of leave it in the freezer um so you have a donor um so well, in my case donors so you have your egg your sperm put them together that is an embryo um they then will let those grow so it's the same situation whether it was your own eggs and you or you know and your partner or donor sperm yeah. but with your own egg, same thing um you then would wait they call it a blastocyst um you have stages you probably know the more yeah. correct terminology <laughs> no, yeah, you're but fine. you have um, <laughs> three days or five days yeah and they'll let they'll watch them they basically grow. multiply 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 yeah until, they're, yeah. they're looking watching the cells so mine got to day five they're happy with it they put the two well they put both in the freezer actually um in this in, in my situation because of your your cycles have to sort of match up and things like that and obviously for me i mean it was so irregular it just didn't happen and again i think at fault of the clinic as well mm. um they sort of messed messed it messed it up a little bit um but that just doesn't affect <coughs> success rates in terms of whether it's a frozen or a fresh embryo um because they're fresh eggs right 
initially. Um, so for me, I'm not ready to go there. Also, it's my last shot. Mm. So it's really being mentally prepared for that, um, having a plan if that doesn't work. And is, is that only your last shot? because of finances if you were a multi-millionaire yeah. you could just go shot oh, after I'll shot be, after I'll shot i'll be there now yeah oh that's um, devastating yeah, yeah. so right now i'm what i would say to this lady is again yeah take each day as it comes don't think about try not to think about the future i mean that's an everyday battle for me try not i mean i'm, re I'm a big overthinker um just really take your time i think I read something online yesterday and it really, really hit home. Um, you know, the grief is not going to fade. Um, it's, oh, what is it? I so read that too. Is that on the Fertility Fertility yes. Network UK? But yeah. It was about that woman. It was, yeah, I, I read that yesterday. You. Yeah, oh, let, let's get that up because I, I read it and I thought, actually, okay. that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that was it. So it was a repost from the infertile midwife the dot infertile dot midwife it was on fertility network uk instagram and it said my therapist explained to me last night that this grief will never fade it will live within me for the rest of my life but in order to continue living i need to build my life so it surrounds the grief rather than the grief surrounding me i found this so helpful as i'm feeling particularly wobbly at the moment i should be counting down the days till my c-section the nursery would be done and i'd have packed my bag with two sets of tiny baby grows but today i'm going to try to be bigger than the grief yeah so yeah i mean and i think that's part of it as well is is that she needs to access accounts mm, like that yeah. she needs to speak to other therapy. women who've been through it she needs to get therapy she needs to hear the stories yeah, of other yeah. women. I, I think a, that will yeah. help her to get through, yeah. won't it? Just, yeah. It'll just be interesting to know as well. Obviously, that's three miscarriages in yeah. a short space of time. You probably know more, Georgia, about the so, tests. Yeah. She should so, qualify for some tests now. If it's early miscarriage, it's normally a genetic problem. So the chromosomes, either they've got too many or they've not got enough. Um, or it might be that you, there's something wrong with your womb or there might be you know there's lots of different reasons but they are the general ones for an mm. early miscarriage um if that's happened and you've had three concurrent recurrent miscarriages you probably are entitled to see a specialist and they will do something called karyotyping for you and your husband or partner um and that basically looks at your genes so if in your sperm and in your eggs so yeah. it's called karyotyping um and they look at your blood groups and see you know what your chromosomes are like and whether they're compatible and if they then they can make a plan as to whether they are or not if they're later miscarriages so later miscarriages classified as after 24 weeks um but really after kind of 12 to that age is all that gestation that's that's still yeah we in my kind of world would say that's a bit later as well right like it's not an early early miscarriage it's yeah. later um they would have had their first scans they would have there's lots of things that you know mm. um yeah a, uh, a friend of mine she had a lot of miscarriages um thankfully she's got a little boy now he's like two but it was her blood um and it was i'm not sure of the blood group that it is but it would yeah, yeah it would fight off any yeah. Yeah. sort of abnormal in the body so yeah i think yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so what, I, I had a friend oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, who had about ten miscarriages, and then eventually it was something to, they had to thin her blood or thicken it or something. Okay, yeah, she had to take 
yeah. tablets or injections or something every yeah. day because she just her body couldn't yeah, hold. Yeah, so that's the, another thing. So that in a later miscarriage, it's quite often it's a blood blood problem. Yeah. Um, uh, but earlier is more likely to be chromosomes right. and uh, later the chromosomes well, of the baby so that of the not, two not, so you and your partner have yeah, created, created a baby that could, just couldn't survive yeah. because of multiple defects or yeah. whatever yeah yes it's just not, not so um, that might be a nicer way of i suppose if that if you knew that 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 was the reason i mean the miscarriage is never nice no and and really you shouldn't even have to frame it in a positive no. way but actually if you know that that's the reason then i suppose that's comforting in a way that you didn't have to give birth yeah. to a baby who was going to live in constant pain or, or yeah. you know, have yeah. a really limited life as a result mm. of chromosomal yeah. defects yeah. or whatever. Yeah. If if you go through the IVF process, certainly using your own eggs, you can, they tend to do a test. Yeah. Um, so pre-genetic screening. Um, and the, you can ask for that now yeah. as well. Oh. Um, you can pay for it. Yeah. Um, but lots of ladies who are, might be classed as a mature mother mm. so that, i mean that's supposed to be that's apparently over 35 i mean i don't even know i was a pre, i was a prima gravida i was 29 when yeah. i got pregnant they called me an elderly prima gravida yeah, yeah. elderly don't they call it a generic El- uh, geriatric, geriatric prima gravida yeah mother yeah it's wow crazy Thanks. bastard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um you can do a test so you can have something called amniocentesis which is will take some fluid from around the baby and they'll test for down syndrome edwards and palos Right. Um, yeah, there's different there's different stuff you can yeah. ask for. But what I was going to say that was I've been around the block and back again. But basically, if you having recurrent later miscarriages, you can maybe be referred to have something called a cervical stitch. So if it's that your cervix is incompetent, it's not working. That's what they call it, cervical incompetency, which is again, it's a horrible word. Mm. But if your cervix is opening and you're obviously going into spontaneous labour and then you're miscarrying, you can have a stitch put in. Sometimes it can just be done at like halfway through or when they think kind of uh, normally before 20 weeks they can do it when you're pregnant sometimes it's done before IVF so it might be like if if they know you're having these troubles you would have something called an abdominal cervical suture which is more of a it's an, it's an inpatient stay stay for two nights um, and then they would do it there's only certain hospitals that do it but lots quite a few in London do right. so there's, lot, yeah. lot, there's lots, lots of options of things, but, yeah yeah and I suppose that that is something that can give our hope yeah um but yeah I think it's very difficult to, to mentally deal yeah, with that absolutely. and I definitely think she needs mm. professional support but also support yeah. from other women I speak to people who've been through similar things yeah, you can really bog yourself down like with the research um yeah. it's just constant it's like just never ending so I think it's got to get to a point just take each day as it comes yeah. give yourself some time be kind to yourself um and, and also like although all of that's going on on like how you feel like give yourself set yourself like a certain amount of time to kind of obviously it's never going to go away but kind of honor that yeah and then like try and move yeah. on like not that you ever going to move on but try and yeah kind of give be yourself the space the you need as, yeah as, yeah give yourself space you need yeah. and then be like right now this is time to like focus refocus like be positive yeah mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and not yeah. i guess to see pregnancy as a dread you know this is something yeah. i dread oh, yeah. rather try to have that hope yeah. i, I yeah. guess um so the, the next two questions are kind of we can answer them all all in one i suppose so the next two questions are how do i stop myself feeling bitter when i see shit parents and the next one says is it insensitive or upsetting when you see people say that they don't want children or that they've had a termination so actually they are quite different questions <laughs> <laughs> don't know why i just did that but uh, so we'll start with how do i stop myself feeling bitter when i see shit parents for me it just again depends on how i'm feeling that day um sometimes it can really 
upset me and it can really trigger me um if i'm you know in a good place i'm feeling quite happy i'm feeling strong um i can kind of just ignore it and just just try and get on with my day mm. um my mum used to work in a doctor's surgery as a receptionist actually and she used to sort of, sort of um get really upset by the women that would come in uh, that were that were addicts and um would continually like come in pregnant um and it used to really upset her because mm. it was you know they just taken for granted and not you know they're not well you know what i mean so mm. they're not they're not realizing you know th- what what's happening and sort of how lucky they really are um but you know she used to get really upset by seeing sort of those those women come in and just constantly having their kids taken off them um but i think you just you just find a way of of ignoring it of dealing with it you know yeah and it's this is such it's cruel isn't it that you see some people like you say this heroin addict who's drinking 20 gallons of vodka a day Mm. swapping between heroin and crack probably hiv positive and everything under the sun doesn't give a shit about her self her health i mean does but you know addiction is a whole other podcast and they can just get pregnant whenever they want and then there's people who were able to desperately it is just the cruel hand of fate isn't it it's I, i had a friend two friends actually um both of who were social workers working in child protection teams and both who suffered with stillbirths um one very late on the chat she went into labor it was her due date and then she sadly lost her um baby and then another one who was who was not that far off and who, who'd been through ivf and i think it's been extremely difficult for them to return to that career yeah having mm-hmm. to have that patience with people who aren't treating their children right and as much as when you're a social worker you're trained to understand that that bad parenting comes from somewhere and that you have to try and resolve whatever's happened to that parent in order to make them a better parent how do you have the patience to do that when you just want to say fuck you how can you Mm. treat your child like that i would be desperate to have a child to love and i and again it's just so cruel and so difficult i think for people who have jobs like that where they you know are a pediatric nurse or a social worker or working in a childcare setting and they're going through this stuff not being able to conceive and seeing other people who are just Mm. flippant about the fact that they're parents yeah on like a smaller scale I think like even if you see people in the shop for example you know you like might be in the supermarket and you think Christ like what is going on there you know yeah and I think sometimes you I, I, this is bad but I think everyone to a certain degree maybe does judge a little bit mm-hmm. sometimes but I think it's important to remember they might just be having a bad day they might yeah. you know they they might have been up all night you know they might be working three jobs like got yeah. loads or, of stuff going on and yeah. it's not it doesn't mean yeah. that that's an excuse to like treat pet, their yeah, yeah. yeah to yeah. treat their the, baby the, that the, way or their kid the that way but could, um, yeah. have ADHD yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. could yeah. be a difficult autistic been, yeah. like there's lots of yeah. stuff yeah that's what I try to tell myself like you know you don't you don't know people's situations you yeah. don't know why you know what's kind of day they're having mm. um so i just yeah try to not think about it too much yeah yeah so do you find how how so the second question is is it insensitive or upsetting when you see people say that they don't want children or have had a termination or want to have a termination i've not really come across anyone too much that's had such a strong opinion on not wanting to have children so i can't really 
comment too much on that um in terms of terminations again you do not know people's situations i had a termination at 18 and i do not regret it one bit Mm. um you know i was again very young um but i wouldn't change it i wouldn't change it for the world um it, the, the the dad is now in prison actually yeah. so you know i think it was the right decision for me yeah. at the time you there's know? no point yeah. in having a child yeah. for the sake of a ch- having no. a child just to say i am a mother actually you want a child under the right circumstances mm. and it's yeah. so yeah. much better to not bring a child into the world he was going to have a dad who's in prison who's going to yeah. grow up to be a damaged ad- adult you know yeah. it's better to have not um brought, brought that into the world yeah. I, I, yeah. I guess but um but yeah, I mean, I guess it, that is something that people have to deal with is, is I, I guess the thing about people choosing not to have children, yeah. it's not something that other people should really feel bitter about because actually no. that should be a choice. Yeah, it is a we are not really. born into this world to, no. to procreate. Yeah, be I mean, baby makers. kind of are, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but actually society is different yeah. now and we don't have to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there is this kind of, this very much an expectation, isn't there, that, you know, that's what you do, this is yeah. the process, and, and it's your kids that are going to look after you when you're an adult, so yeah. if you don't have any kids, who's going to look after you when you're elderly? Yeah. Like That was one thing that really got to me. When I was diagnosed, I was, like, devastated. I was like, who's going to choose my nursing home? Then mm. I'm going to be in... I'm going to be in a nursing home and it's be a really awful one where they like beat you up and stuff. You just, you just overthink things, don't yeah. you? Just yeah. completely irrational. I'm thinking of starting a nursing home anyway for like elderly ravers. I mean, so <laughs> count me in. I will get like EZ, Bushkin, Mighty Mo, all of them. Like they'll all be elderly too. Just yeah. every day we can just be like, yo, have a little rave yeah. in the community room. <laughs> I really think we need to get this going. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll look after you. Thanks. Um, the next question is how do you support a friend or relative who desperately wants children but cannot physically have them you spoke a bit about that before didn't you where you said your best friend had said I'm not going to feel sorry for you but I am here for you no matter what and I get what you're going through yeah Yeah, I think just listen Um, when I first started the blog and the Instagram um which I admit I've been a bit rubbish with it lately. Um, but again, because of going through so much, I I didn't want to be writing about it. I didn't want to be thinking about it. Um, the Someone reached out to me and was like, it, it's so many women with friends that are struggling with their partners, um, you know, thinking about IVF. Um, just listen. You've just got to, you know, be let them know yeah. that you're there to listen whenever they need you. I know who I will call if I'm having a bit of a wobble. I found out someone um, very close to me is pregnant with their second child. Um, And I felt sad, you know, I was over the moon for them, but I was really sad for myself. This was literally two weeks ago, but I knew that person that I could call up and I could be sad with. Um, So I think just making sure they know um, that you're there for them. Um, if they are going to be going looking down the sort of fertility um, treatment route um, there is different things out there Um, the fertility network um, do a big um, like um, exhibit expo Expo, yeah yeah. so you know maybe offer and say you know when you are ready um, if you you know I can come along to that with you Um, 
just sort of being open to to just supporting them in any way that that they see fit i watched this thing and it was about a woman who was um having fertility problems and she said that there's all these sort of things that people say to try to make you feel better like yeah. well you can always adopt yeah. and she said that's like the worst thing you yeah. can say no. like, i know i can fucking adopt yeah. or like, i don't want to i want yeah. my yeah. own yeah. family i want my own children yeah. like don't say that shit to me mm. um i can't remember what some of the other stuff that she was saying what was or it like when people say well don't worry you can get pregnant you know at least you know you can fall pregnant oh what's the other one? Oh, why don't you just go out and have a one night stand yeah yeah what? <laughs> <laughs> um and i mean again this is something else that disproportionately affects black and ethnic minority women particularly bangladeshi pakistani and african communities um <clears throat> where there is this lots of stigma um, and also yeah. particularly religious people catholics yeah. as well yeah. where there is a lot of stigma around um fertility it's always uh seen as the woman's fault and if they can't fall pregnant it's kind of seen as god's will or some yeah. kind of god's punishment um and there is lots of shame and stigma yeah. around ivf and fertility stuff um because it's seen as playing god or that you're going yeah. against god's will and that can really prevent those women accessing things that they're entitled to yeah. they should be able to yeah or doing um, it in secret without support yes yeah. exactly yeah. um so so again we need to be really mindful that this is not to do with god this is yeah. biology this is something that people can't help and that is a massive thing to go through and you should never place those kind of notions onto people because it is it's it's damaging to them it's not what they need to hear um so i guess just be sensitive and and i think it probably is really difficult if you do have a best friend and you know that they've been through so much shit trying losing babies ivf and all that stuff it, it, i guess it's very difficult to then have your own pregnancy joy and and feel yeah, able to yeah. share that with your I've, friend i've had that a lot um not even to me directly when my brother and his wife fell pregnant i mean it was before my miscarriage as well but i was absolutely over the moon um it's the first sort of baby like in the family mm. immediate family and people were asking my mum oh how's claire taking it and it's like she's made up like mm. what you know and it's it i've had friends as well and bless that i mean it is coming from a place of love and you know that they do care um i've had friends that uh sort of said to me oh i need to see you mm. um when can i when can we meet up and i know i just get the i know what it's gonna be and then i'm like it was a one was a guy and i was just like you've got a baby on the way haven't you and he's like oh how did you know and i just it's it's yeah. weird and then i've had friends that have come to see me and they're like we're you know i'm having an i'm having a baby but you know of course i'm made up for them yeah. you know i'm absolutely over the moon for them and again you don't know but i know that they, that particular friend they didn't think they could have kids yeah so <clears throat> you know for them to suddenly be, be able to announce that that they're having a baby when they just didn't think was possible is is a miracle yeah um yeah so yeah i think it comes from a place of love you know but um yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'd get that a lot <laughs> um the next question says, how, how do you talk about it without people feeling bad for you? Do you get that a lot, people feeling that? I mean, I, I touched on it, I guess, at the beginning, didn't I? Where it's like, yeah. actually, I do feel sad yeah. for yeah. you. but and, and you shouldn't feel that you have to tell your story differently to protect the feelings of people who you're telling the story mm, to. Mm. So is that something you get a lot? Yeah, I mean, I don't sort of go around broadcasting it um, anyway. So it's not... It, 
I don't sort of have to face it every day. I think certainly with hospital appointments and doctors and stuff, like I was at the saw about four different sort of doctors and nurses yesterday, um, just sort of having some tests and stuff. And as um, soon as I say, oh, you know, I had a miscarriage, they're like, oh, I'm sorry. And it it's awful because they just don't what do you say yeah i don't i don't even know what i would say because everyone's different you know people that have had miscarriage will probably deal with it completely different to how i've dealt with it so um yeah it's a funny one really it's it's just a very awkward thing and i can <clears throat> kind of feel people's pain and um, yeah. awkwardness or whatever but at the same time you know again it comes from a place of of love and you mm. you feel that you know um especially as a woman as well like you said oh I feel really sad for you that yeah, that's quite a nice thing really you know mm. um in a weird kind of way that's a bit yeah compassion yeah yeah and you're yeah. not like giving sympathy giving like you're trying to imagine what it would be like so I guess that's empathy yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. I mean I guess this person saying how do you talk about it without people feeling bad for you I guess it's how you deliver that information then because obviously if you're crying and saying oh, I'm never gonna have kids they're gonna feel bad for you yeah. whereas I guess if you deliver the information in a more matter-of-fact way this is what's happened this is what I'm doing this is hopefully what the future is going to look like or, yeah. or may not so I, I suppose if you deliver the information in a matter of fact way if you don't want people to feel bad for you or sad yeah. for you yeah. if that yeah. upsets you and makes you feel uncomfortable then deliver that information in a yeah. factual manner yeah I think sort of even like in this environment talking to, to you girls it's I can be very matter of fact about it when I talk to my friends about it I'll be very matter of fact put me in a doctor's like in front of a doctor or someone like a medical professional and I'm in that environment I will talk about it um because I have to but it all feels very real so I do I get choked up mm. and I will that's the only time I really now get really emotional about it and can't talk about it without crying but I think it's just because it makes it very real yeah um and really hits home because I'm just in that environment you know whether it be a hospital or in you know in the doctor's surgery or whatever I've heard a lot of women talking about the grief that that comes with it the grief that you feel when you first find out that you might be having fertility problems the grief that you feel when you have a shot at it you've had you have a miscarriage mm. the grief you feel when you actually suddenly reach 45 50 and you go fuck actually because some women don't end up having children not they are able to biologically they just never find the right partner mm -hmm. and suddenly you know they've focused on their careers all their lives and and spent many years trying not to get pregnant then it becomes too late and it's this this is everybody just talks about this grief yeah and this grief that just doesn't go away because you're raised and born thinking i'm gonna have babies i'm gonna be a wife this is what you know i'm gonna be a grandma and then that doesn't happen and so you are left with this new sense of who you are and who you're going to be mm -hmm. and what what now and I wonder does that grief ever really go away or you just learn to live with it like we touched on earlier you do you you learn to live with it it doesn't go away um but you've got to learn to live your life with you know with that grief with you sort mm. of you know what is it you know don't let it consume you or surround the grief exactly yeah. and um yeah, I still haven't worked it out yet. I can't even comprehend what the future is going to hold at the moment. Yeah, there was a woman that I was listening to. She was doing a TED talk on it, and she was sort of saying that actually her life plan was kids, 
blah, blah. And then it, just, it never happened for her. But then she started this, um, I can't remember what it was called, Panko or something, the, the Cool Auntie Network or whatever. And so she became, she, she wrote about otherhood as, as what she calls it, you know, childless women. Um, and she calls them her tribe and she has reached millions of followers and whatever else. And so she kind of goes that actually maybe this was supposed to be my life plan. Maybe this happened to yeah. me because I was able to inspire so yeah. many women and yeah. make so many women feel feel different. And it, not everybody's going to be able to do that, but there are other things that, that there always positivity that can grow yeah. Yeah. from it. I think that's why I started the blog because initially when I was diagnosed, I would go, I went online. I mean, you're just frantic and I'm very much, I need a solution. So um, I started like, searching the internet like a lunatic couldn't fi couldn't find anything so that's why i started writing the blog um just because i didn't want anyone else to feel that way so you know again there is positive in a weird way that does that does come out of it and as mm. i said i'm no i'm such a strong person i'm so resilient and some days i'd literally just feel like wonder woman you know mm. um so yeah maybe this is my calling you know mm. and the way that I can for me I wasn't not being a mum I feel like I wouldn't lead a fulfilling life mm. um but I'm sort of coming I'm I'm just finding other ways now would you, you know? consider adoption or fostering in the future I always said I would um certainly ad adoption um what's to say that you know sort of down the line that I do meet someone and you know maybe we can sort of like put our pennies together and um you know I'm not sure even if again postcode and things like that if that changes like the funding's very different funding's very different if you're in a relationship as well yeah. is that um, why you weren't able to get it on the NHS because you didn't have a partner no it's because it's donor eggs I believe but then right. that's in my postcode uh, you know things are always changing yeah. I don't I try not to dwell on that too much. How, how um, does that work? Um, so I'm not actually sure about that bit. I know that if you've got a, if you meet somebody and they've already got a child, you're not entitled. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh right. Which is like I find them like mind boggling. Yeah. You know? My yeah, friend, they, they've already had that. Uh, you're not yeah. allowed. Wow. Which yeah. is, My friend's partner. Um, yeah. He had a, an eight year old at the time, and they didn't qualify for any yeah. funding. Oh, and that's God. the guy. You know, it's the yeah you know she had didn't have the chance to do it i mean they had ivf in the end um thankfully it worked um how, how much does ivf cost using your own eggs it's, <coughs> it's cheaper than like donor donor eggs you have to pay for the donor eggs yeah. and then pay for the yeah. ivf process so I'd, oh, i don't know i've spoken to a lot of different women sort of in in the um sort of in this sort of community yeah. um I think about two to three grand or something. It, it does vary depending yeah. on what clinics and stuff you go to, but yeah, yeah it's I think around like four, five mm. max. Yeah, mm. and there's a cheaper option with um, which a lot of women tend to go with first is IUI. So um, it's what almost that stand like into in, uterine insemination. Yeah. Right. So it's like an in, insemination. So they like time your cycle cycle and, completely you might have already been on the drug i mentioned before your ovaries might be like going for it mm. um you might have given yourself injections got to that point and then they inseminate you at the point of where your egg should be so they would have scanned you seen your egg and see if they can like yeah initiate a, mm. uh, yeah 
Mm. I mean, it does. It's very like it gets a lot harder as well as like the older you get as well. So a lot of women that I speak to are sort of call them solo mums by choice. Um, So again, they've kind of got to the stage where they've not necessarily met anyone, and you know they want to be a mum. Um, but yeah, I think the IUI is a, that bit cheaper than the IVF, so people tend to sort of try the IUI first. And some people try that at home as well, don't they? Which is yeah, like, turkey based. Oh, yeah. you can do that. Can yeah. You? Oh wow. Yeah. Actually, a turkey based like yeah, pretty much, pretty much. a very clean one, <coughs> not the one you use at Christmas or the one that you're going to use it next Christmas. Yeah. So the next question says, can stress cause miscarriage? So, on the whole, no. I think there's things that can contribute to a miscarriage, like the things we said before, the genetics, stuff going on with blood, um, groups, that kind of thing. But no, you can't. I think health's really important in pregnancy um, and keeping yourself well is obviously really important. But no, as a as a resounding answer, no, it can't cause it can't cause can't cause a miscarriage. No. Yeah, which is important to say because yeah. women should never blame yeah. themselves. Feel guilty. Yeah. No. You should never blame yourself for a miscarriage. It is never your fault. No. I mean, unless you have actually done something insane, like yeah. downed a bottle of vodka or something. Yeah. Then, you know. But, yeah. But hopefully you wouldn't necessarily do that when you're pregnant. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because stress is... I mean, if you're going through incredibly stressful times, that can yeah. be linked to like period stopping yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So it's interesting that stress can affect yeah. that. But I'd say... I mean, if a baby's going to progress and her pregnancy is going to progress, it will. Like, yeah. there's not very many things that will. It's a bit like the heroin addict parents yeah. that we spoke to. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll conceive babies and, yeah. and keep, you know, to I term. Think, I think I just, I don't want to say, yes, it causes, you know, or it can, it can contribute because... I don't want anyone to feel guilty for that. No. But in the same, like, I think it is really important to remember to, like, keep yourself healthy, do everything you know. Avoid uh, stress. Avoid stress, but don't, Mm. you know. Don't get stressed, then have a miscarriage and think, if only I hadn't been stressed, this wouldn't have happened. Because stress, you can't always deal... You know, you, you can't, can't prevent, always yeah, prevent it. You don't choose to be stressed. No, no, yeah. you can't. I think it's just knowing your triggers, trying, you know, your hardest to, like, keep yourself yeah. as level-headed and as, like, you know, yeah, stable think, in your life as you yeah. can at the time. I think yeah. as well, like, when you find out you're pregnant, it's just going through, like, no matter how you felt pregnant, is is don't obsess over it because mm. that's going to... I know that's hard <laughs> coming from me. Um, <laughs> it's going to... That you're, that's going to in turn cause stress you know I know the first thing you do you have a miscarriage you will blame yourself like mm. hands up that is the first thing you do I started thinking through I think should I have done this should I have done yeah. that even to the point of not carrying my phone in my pocket in my front pocket I was like oh my god like did what I do that yeah. yeah and I think you can then obsess too much and then in turn you know you're going to cause stress so you know the on on the NHS website um, is really helpful um, in terms of what foods and things like that. Yeah. And you know, just be sensible. Yeah. Um, I think it's the bacterias with yeah. So like uh, second trimester miscarriage sometimes are caused by people having some sort of infection. So it might be that you've got um, it might be that you've got chlamydia, you've got HIV, you've got something that's un- mm. generally in your first scan they will like test you for that yeah. kind of thing. Um, but that's something. And then on top of that, food poisoning and like bacteremias 
contamination so that's why they say that like, salmonella is really important don't eat like raw fish don't have pate anything that could be cross-contaminated yeah, yeah, or yeah. like pregnant women when they yeah. go to farms they're like make yeah. sure you really wash your hands wash your hands and hand foot and mouth that kind yeah. of thing you have to be really careful um mm. and that doesn't tend to happen in the first stage it tends to be in the second mm. um yeah. and that's also when people start to feel better and relax in their pregnancy so that's when it's yeah, almost yeah. like you have to be a bit not more careful but like it's stuff that you could control more than if it was in the first yeah. first stage if yeah. you know what I mean yeah. it's so hard to avoid though isn't it and yeah. I mean I, I get loads of messages from women who are like uh, coming up to their early 30s and yeah. haven't met anyone and are so worried about their biological clock ticking i mean the reality is that your fertility peaks in your 20s and yeah. then it falls off dramatically after 35 yeah, yeah. no point in lying about that to make anyone about that oh go on tell me so for miscarriage first trimester miscarriage women under 30 is one in 10 mm-hmm. women un- uh, between 35 and 39 it's two in 10 and then any women over 45 and up it's five in 10 pregnancies when wow. miscarriage yet so that's a lot so it's so, lot, it's, yeah. it's so age is really relevant and uh <coughs> i think a lot yeah. of people kind of start getting to that stage and then everything to do with getting pregnant or thinking about your future becomes an incredibly stressful experience yeah i think women start to become really really worried even if they've never been told you've got fertility problems you've yeah. gone through the menopause early you know they start getting into their 30s and it becomes this i was obsessed i have to say i i'd never really even thought about that much about children i always knew i wanted children and then my body clock went off. I was 28 when it started. I'm 27, 28. It was just this intense feeling like I need to get pregnant. I need mm. to get pregnant. And that was what consumed everything. I mean, yeah. I was with a, somebody at the time. He agreed he wanted to have children too. I came off the pill. We started trying for a baby. And I got pregnant fairly quickly. But through that period of time, I mean, I cannot tell you. I bought maybe... 5,000 pregnancy tests from the pound shop so they they didn't cost that much um but I was just testing constantly even like the day after I'd had sex I was testing like (laughs) I was constantly on these forums where these women talk about trying to get pregnant and I was so by the time I did get pregnant it wasn't even fun I was just like you know like Mm. so I think that we have to relax a little bit and that's not about letting go of your dream it's not about not having aspirations to get pregnant but i think it's also we just need to not be so hard on ourselves and so i don't know i think you get into this real obsessive mindset around pregnancy and things like that and it can really take over and i think we have to practice mindfulness and and other things to try to be more contained about it yes i think again it's you know either yeah like try not to overthink things but maybe think about what would your life look like without children mm. you know and um, for me that's really difficult um so for some for some others it might be a, a little bit easier um or you know start looking at other options you know there are options out there there's a huge community of these what we could you know as i mentioned before solo mums by choice Mm. um i go to like coffee mornings and you know we go for lunch like with all these women they're um sort of thinking um i think there's differences through the donor conception network so there's different sort of um groups within that so you've got like your solo mums by choice that maybe have had children using donor sperms or double donation um or you know are just thinking about it you know thinking that you know maybe they will try on their own so 
again like there's options out there and maybe if it's something that is so important start start looking at you know what that could look like if you were to to go it alone don't necessarily if you know that kids is mega important to you that has to be something that's happening i do think as you are approaching 35 you probably do and you haven't met the right person don't fucking jump into bed with the absolute wrong person because that's the worst thing Mm. that can happen having a baby with someone who's then going to traumatize you and your baby for the rest of your life is not what yeah. we're looking for out yeah. here, but maybe start to have a look at what those yeah. options are. Yeah. Have a look at egg freezing. If you, you know, you know you want to carry on climbing the career ladder or whatever, yeah. but you don't want to miss that opportunity, have a look at those things. Yeah. Try to take a very pragmatic but relaxed yeah. approach mm. to it. But yeah, don't panic and there's no man around. I'm 35, well, like you say, mm. there are options, that there, there are solutions. Yeah. It's 2019, baby. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, the next question is donor eggs pros and cons so you'll probably know quite a bit about that mm. um i i'm a very positive person so i don't like to focus on the cons um but i do think with the the cons and the sort of bad side of donor eggs is they're more the what ifs um i don't really think that they're it, like for instance so you know it's your if you have a known user donor sperm, let's say in the UK, and I mentioned like the the pen letter that you'd get, and when the child turns eighteen, they can obviously you know see that letter. They can reach out to their donor if they want. Um, you know the downside of that is how you would feel if they wanted to find out who their donor was. Um, but again, it's a big what if. You know, some children, no matter whether they're biologically yours or not, um, you get children that are curious naturally curious some won't care i spoke to a lady who had twins um double donation had twins she said one of them um the boy not fast didn't care where he came from the the girl twin um would ask a lot of questions um so i think that's something you do need to consider i think there is the support there um there's these amazing books called our story which again i keep banging on about the donor conception network but they make these books and it'll be um sort of tailored to to (coughs) different family setups so whether that's two dads two mums um solo mum by choice using her eggs donor eggs whatever it is um and they're just little story books and sort of reading those to your child from a young age will really again help you with the type of language you should use um but also getting to them used to to what their story is um you know thinking about again another big what if um making father's day cards at school you know mm. when the, when the kids when the kids here and yeah. when it starts school so they're all just big big what ifs and i think they're sort of things that you can sort of think about along the way but in terms of you know the positives um I have no choice. If I'm going to be a mum, I've got to use a donor egg. Um, that's that's just it. So I've accepted that from from the beginning. Um, for me, the way I sort of come to terms with that is I've obviously I've done a lot of research. There's different research papers out there um, that you can read. Um, also speaking to to other women about the sort of their situations and their family set up. But I mean, I'm from a blended family, so my dad i call him dad he's my stepdad um i've got two brothers 
um, grew up with them. We live in the same house. We speak every day. We look like each other. We got the same mum, different dads, but we've even got. I've got a different surname to them as well. Mm. And some we was at a wedding the other day, and someone said, "Oh, I didn't realise. Didn't realise that Dave weren't your dad." Mm. And um, you know, again, they just don't. People don't really think about yeah. it. You know, it's just not a thing. Mm. Um, so again, having that. Yeah, that that child biologically won't be mine, but when I'm, you know, I've chose my donors. Um, you know, I don't get to see them, but I've chosen the characteristics. The donor nurses will certainly have seen them, and will obviously have met me or seen photos of me. Like I sent photos in, like me and my brothers, sort of me as a family. So because uh, you wanted that similar, yeah, or, yeah, you wouldn't so, want to choose yeah. someone with bright blonde hair and blue eyes. Exactly, look anything yeah. Like you. you know, yeah. I am probably going to have a few of those questions. You know, if I'm pushing that buggy, like, oh, does he look like his dad? Then, yeah, you know, just to avoid that, you know, I want that child to sort of look yeah something like me um you know people have even said oh don't you look like dave yeah and i'm like well, okay yeah just go with it <laughs> um so you know and again another thing my stepmom's black mm. and she'll introduce me as her daughter and i mean people look because they're a bit like confused but no one no one asks questions mm. so you know i think there's so many different um setups yeah. now um that it's just not well my son looks completely white his dad is half jamaican mm. and quite dark skin actually mm. and my son's completely white and i and i've often thought about how my son must feel when he's out with them probably does feel like he's adopted um or yeah, I don't think he thinks about that no. at this stage. Mm. But 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 yeah, so so I didn't think about that actually, the looks thing and how that might yeah. then make the, the child feel mm. se Interrupt, separate yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that's interesting. But I think as well, like with as a woman and sort of knowing you're using another another woman's egg, yeah, you might not have that sort of biological but DNA's really nothing. It's yeah. actually more the environment um that that's you know it's environment that yeah you know, nature versus yeah, nurture yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and yeah. how you nurture yeah, yeah. and um, I mean an adopted child is still exactly, your child yeah. you know just yeah. because it's not got sharing the same DNA as you yeah. does yeah. not you know you no. raise that child yeah. from the beginning that is your baby and also you you know as a the recipient recipient of a donor egg you know your what donor embryo your your nurture your growing that yeah. baby inside you there is some evidence yeah new evidence well. I like, thought you were gonna say yeah that. a very small strand of dna will be passed in the womb oh. um so you know if you Through really yeah oh wow yeah. Yeah. so they will be a bit of you yeah um one thing i did as well um i when i was sort of getting prepared for all of this i did the ancestry oh yeah things you know so i've got all that so i am i didn't start it thank god but i will start i started gathering loads of bits together for a scrapbook so obviously i would have my storybook mm. for my future child hopefully um and i then its own scrapbook so like there was a picture i've got a picture of you know it sounds really sad talking about it now but the embryo um obviously once it was implanted inside me picture of me outside the clinic so you know all those things i will build from the beginning mm. so they will have their own story um so that's really nice yeah, yeah. that's a really yes. good way of looking at it mm. um <clears throat> right the last question is we'll finish on a positive note <laughs> which is um how can i feel hope again just time <laughs> time yeah 
if you'd have asked me that question probably well back in back in March I would have I was just numb you know Mm. I couldn't I wouldn't really know what what to say um I think we only get one life um you know so you've got to live it I just try not to I don't think too far into the future because I for such a long time going through this process and my whole fertility journey and my treatment you know you're obsessing over what's what's next what's the future going to hold oh but what if this happens what if that happens um for me um I wasn't very happy obviously after the miscarriage um I knew things needed to change um you know I was slowly got over the grief um and I could you know I was back at work and things like that actually realized I was still unhappy didn't like my job didn't like living in London anymore so I'm relocating. I'm in the process of moving. And I just thought, you know what? I rung my mum, said, I'm thinking, I think I'm going to move home. And she was like, cool, okay, let's do it. So it's really just doing the things that make you happy. Obviously, I'm a completely extreme, you know, not to 100 real quick. But just I knew that that's, this is the right decision for yeah. me. So mm. just um, really just focus on your happiness, what makes you happy, um, changing what doesn't. And I think that's what's really important. Um, you know, just be mindful of how you feel and sort of, you know, as I said, certain things will trigger you. Um, you know, again, I mentioned sort of how I've sort of slowed down on on the blog. Um, you know, it was draining me um, and it sort of having to relive it every day. I, I had to stop for a while. So um, I think just sort of really try and maintain that positive mindset and just take each day as it comes. Say yes to everything mm. as well. You know, like like even to you, I said, oh, I'll come on the podcast. Yeah. You know, I didn't even really think that you don't sort of, you know, I'm not thinking about it. But just, yeah. just say yes. Just say yes to everything. If someone invites you out, yeah. let's go for a drink. Just <laughs> do it. Come around for dinner. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, just live, live your life because you just don't know what's going to happen. Um for me um as i said i'm moving moving back to where my hometown um i'm going to start teaching um i used to dance so i'm going to start doing some dance classes with some young kids so you know that's going to be something that's going to kind of take up my time and you know be a fulfilling hobby you know so just yeah get a hobby man yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) i think that's the most thing i'm excited about about moving and you know completely changing my job completely new industry Mm. um because that was you know it was making me unhappy so um yeah i guess seek happiness in other areas yeah exactly don't don't allow the fact that having children is, is difficult for you to become this thing that you are just completely obsessed with I guess you've got to maintain some hope that you will be able to have children in in one way or another, but also hope that even if you don't, you are going to still be able to have a brilliant life and a fulfilled life and that being a mother is not the be all and end all, which is very hard for me to say to somebody because actually that's what you want. Mm. But but even if that never happens for you, it doesn't mean your life is any shitter than anybody else's. It doesn't mean you haven't fulfilled your role as a woman. It Mm. doesn't mean you're disappointing anyone. It doesn't Mm. mean you're going to have a far worse future than anyone who's had children so i guess hope that you might have children but also hope that that actually you can go and have a fucking bloody brilliant life i know i'm gonna be okay like no matter what (coughs) happens i'm gonna be okay and that's what i tell myself Mm. i'm as i said i i can't comprehend at the moment my life without children but i am doing other things um you know maybe i find that sort of teaching these kids to dance again and you know is going to be enough for me and or Mm. um 
you know, maybe that will lead on to other things. Um, so, yeah, just... Have you seen success stories, lots of success stories? Would you say that... that what's the kind of message that you give to women at work in, in terms of hope and things like that? Have you seen lots of people who've had struggles and struggles and struggles and then it's happened for them? Um, so, in my setting, not necessarily, but it doesn't mean that I don't see them, you know, around the hospital or I have heard of, of women having that. I see the sadder side where they have recurrent ones, if I'm honest, but yeah. um, that's just because they don't come to us because they've had a healthy pregnancy. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's not necessarily, you know, yeah, um, yeah. or it might be that they have had a miscarriage and then they come in because they've got hyperemesis where they can't stop being sick in their, in their pregnancy and then they're like, oh, I'm pregnant. Uh, and it's really nice. So there are, you know, there yeah. is success stories and, um, and you always hear of stuff and my friend's a midwife and yeah. Mm. I think nice things. anyone sort of thinking about it with fertility issues or sort of thinking about, um, doing it on their own or whatever instance you know gay couples um, the donor conception network is amazing there is you know you're sort of saying oh do you sort of see success stories I've seen loads um, and it's brilliant there is a huge community out there so you know if you if you are in a position where you do want to investigate um, you know how you're going to become a mum or what help there is out there I definitely advise sort of joining any groups like that um, Facebook as well um, I'm more than happy for anyone to DM me. Um, I can get you added to any sort of Facebook groups. There's a few that I'm in. And so Claire, Claire is, you can find her at, at, at Early Menopause and Me. That's all it. one word, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Georgia had some details yeah. about some really good... So the Miscarriage Association is really good for um, any, any term, gestation, miscarriage. Um, they've got lots of help for like partners kind of coping with relationships after sex after having a miscarriage how to like move forward with your job if you need advice with finances that kind of thing they can help with all of that sans is really good so they're the stillborn and neonatal yeah. death um society i think it's society um they're really good um yeah, and they give lots of support to the nhs they're really fantastic yeah um tommy's is really good um so they're like known as like the baby charity, but they do um, stuff about um, PCOS. They do stuff about mm -hmm. endometriosis. There's plenty that they kind of cover yeah. in terms of fertility things. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the premature menopause kind of thing. Daisy, Daisy yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a member of. Yeah, them. so they're, they're really nice. Yeah, too. they're really, really great actually, and sort of you know you you pay a fee obviously it's a charity so you know you pay to join but then you'll get added um to a facebook group so i mean anything at all like recently i found out my hrt that i'm on because of the uh current situation current climate oh. i can't get those tablets anymore oh, um yeah, yeah so i was like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i started really panicking and you know again i'm just like, oh my god like why is this happening to me you know straight away i went onto that group and i was like right i'm on the yeah, less duet it was called you know what's the alternative so it's almost taking the, the the legwork out of having to trawl the internet um and sort of asking about other people's experience that's really and, good so yeah. I definitely recommend getting involved with like those sort of communities online, um, on you know on social media because it's just there's just a wealth of knowledge there and people you know speaking from their own experiences. Yeah, mm. and even if like that's there's a lot to be said for like Instagram community obviously, um, and like Facebook and stuff. But if you do want to do it more privately 
there's always option for that like on the websites you could just ring them there's those helplines you can email yeah, yeah. there's leaflets you can print out yourself there's leaflets mm-hmm. that healthcare professionals can print out for you like you yeah. don't have to always be like yeah, because yeah, some people yeah. aren't open are they, they don't yeah wanna, you don't want to necessarily start following fertility no. network and your friend go why did you just yeah, why are you following yeah. Do you know so i just yeah. want i just thought it like worth mentioning yeah like, there's a lot to be said for all of yeah, that yeah. But i just think like that's mm. a really good point the, yeah the facebook groups are always completely closed groups yeah um so what you need to remember is you know, everyone's sort of in the same boat right. as well but they are completely closed um yeah. so yeah you don't you know you're yeah, not being, you're not great. exposing yourself yeah, yeah, yeah. in some way and yeah you're right some people are really open to talk yeah. about these things and mm. want to get it out there yeah. and other people this is a really private yeah. matter and, and it might don't. take them weeks to like call someone yeah. about me, like I'm struggling or you yeah. Know, yeah, but that support is out there and yeah. you are not alone and I think it's yeah it's a huge un, undiscussed problem really because I, I think people it's so difficult isn't yeah. it no yeah. one knows what to say and I mean we've covered all of, all of that today I've learned a lot. I've learned so much from you. I didn't really know much about this before. You've both helped me massively. And 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 I think that this podcast hopefully will make other women feel less alone. It might just get them thinking about what their options are. Mm. Um, so, yeah, thank you. I really, I, f- I found this one difficult to approach because I don't know much about this subject. And so I didn't feel that confident but the two of you have made me feel really confident and made me feel like we've had a good chat about it that people might enjoy have you got any last words before we say goodbye no just um yeah thank you for having us really no problem Um, and as i mentioned you know as we mentioned my my dms are always open yeah (laughs) that's brilliant Um, mine too keep on Um, keeping on like just yeah, and Georgia, I have to say, you've done really well. She's been <laughs> declining as we've been here. She's got. I don't know. We don't know if it's hay fever or the flu. I'm hoping it's hay fever because I'm not <laughs> looking to catch whatever it is. But as the hours have gone by, she's just been. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, because I'm blind. I actually think you sound quite sexy. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so well done for, for holding it down because I would have just gone like, oh, I'm going home, mate. I need to sleep. So uh, so yeah, Thanks. there's been lots of sniffling and whatever. Yeah, I'm really this sorry, Megan. <laughs> we're not crying it's just George's nose <laughs> anyway thank you for listening and we'll be back soon bye, bye.